Welcome again to In Context, the podcast uh, originating from Stonebridge Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. My name is Keith. I'm one of the pastors at Stonebridge. I'm joined by... Brandon Levering, also one of the pastors at Stonebridge. Victory. I did it. I I finally did it. it. I believed in you. It's the season of hope. (laughs) Uh, Well, today we're we're still in... Well, we're just kind of moving partially uh, for a season out of the series in Galatians to do Mm -hmm. some Advent messages, but um, most recently in Galatians, we were uh, going through chapter 4, and uh, you want to just give us a a high view of what we were discussing? Yeah, so just a couple weeks ago, we looked at the tail end of chapter 4, verses 21 to to 31, I think, and uh, one, I mean, there's a lot going on there with Paul's allegory between uh, being under the new covenant in Christ versus the old covenant at Sinai. But one of the things he does in, in drawing this picture between um, Abraham's two sons, Ishmael and Isaac, one being a son uh, according to the flesh by human effort when they kind of took matters into their own hands and, uh, in order to try and uh, achieve the promise, and then one son who's actually according to promise, who, who, who came by faith. One of the points that Paul makes is that if, if the people of God in Christ... Uh, share in the legacy of Isaac, the son of promise, then what happened to Isaac in history, we shouldn't be surprised when that happens to us, Mm -hmm. specifically when the children of the flesh, Ishmael, persecuted Isaac, Mm -hmm. so it is for the church today. And, And the particular kind of persecution he's talking about is not so much persecution from the world around us, though we'll talk about that today, right. but also persecution from the religious person right next to me. Right. Kind of this, this religious, um, those who, who have put their hope in the law, in their own effort, demonizing, persecuting those who hold fast to Christ. And that was one of the big pressures that the church in ancient Galatia was, was feeling that if, uh, uh, if, if they can just kind of pretend to be a little bit more Jewish than the Jews around them at that time would, would lower the heat of persecution. And so this huge temptation we face in every day uh, to adjust the gospel, augment the gospel, um, capitulate or compromise on the gospel in order to alleviate the pain and the heat mm-hmm. of persecution. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, that's helpful. Um, when we were thinking about this and this passage and the idea of persecution, one of the things that you brought up in your sermon was that Christians, modern, especially mm. American Christians, tend to have a little bit of a martyr complex, yeah. a persecution complex. Like around every corner is someone waiting to, you know, mock our Christianity and, and put us in jail for our faith. And um, maybe we've overemphasized. Yeah, yeah. How much of that is actually happening? Yeah, yeah. And and it's not to say that that doesn't happen, obviously. Right, obviously. There there are stories of people who've lost their businesses or been targeted because of their faith, and so none of that's to make light of it. But compared to what's going on in other parts of the world, the persecution that the average Christian in America experiences, if they experience anything, is usually closer to something like uh, inconvenience, yeah. or maybe uncomfortable, maybe, uncomfortable, uncomfortable right? maybe bleeding into discrimination at times. Sure. But uh, like I said, you know, that Sunday, 
Nobody in America, when they get in their car to go to church on Sunday morning, is worried, what happens if I get pulled over and arrested and I may not see my family again? Like, that just doesn't, that's not a category we're operating in. Whereas that's a very, very strong reality for brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. And so, so it's helpful to kind of slow down and think, what do we even mean? What does the scripture mean by persecution? Like, what is real persecution? Uh, and how does that give us perspective for uh, what we're kind of dealing with uh, in America today? Right. So part and part of this is uh, looking at the landscape of especially social media, because that's mm. where most people are spending their time, especially in a pandemic. Yep. What else do you have to do but be online and, and show the rest of the world just how overly informed you might be or might not be as, mm-hmm. the, as the case may be and and jumping into the the outrage machine right. that is constantly uh working right and so that presents us with this this kind of idea of how do we parse out as, as brandon just said how do we parse out what's actual biblical persecution what 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 passes the test of help i'm being persecuted versus my personality needs some work right mm-hmm. it's like a persecution versus personality mm, and we'll get it we'll get into the details but to sum it up like are, are you being persecuted you, if you feel like you're being persecuted is it actively because you're living out your faith or is it just because you're being a jerk <laughs> <laughs> and, and i know it sounds oversimplified but th- really if you step back and take a look at a lot of interactions it really does seem like there are many people who are assuming like full-blown persecution when it's not there yet. Not mm-hmm. that it will ever be there, mm-hmm. but it's not there yet. And yeah. so how do, we, how do we figure out what is biblical persecution? Yeah. Like? And then what do we do with that? Yeah. Like, what, why do we get offended so easily? Yeah. Well, and then, how, okay, so how should we respond when and if, which it will, persecution comes, then what should be mm-hmm. our response in it? Yeah. How should we yeah. Act? So let's start with the question: What is actual, biblically defined persecution? Yeah. Like what helps us understand that? So. Yeah, I mean, I, the the bottom line I think that we see is. The, uh, the bottom line that we see, you can edit this, right? <laughs> we, we've got uh, we've got construction in the building right now, so. It is what it is. It's 2020, baby. Yeah. Um, you know, you you alluded to this just a moment ago. What is the, the nature of the opposition we're experiencing? What is the cause, more so even than the nature? What is the cause of the opposition we're experiencing? Is it because I'm a disagreeable person or is it, is it because, you know, um, somebody has disagreed on, on any number of general topics or is it specifically because of my witness and my faith in mm-hmm. Jesus Christ? Right. Um, you can, I mean, persecution itself can be a general term. You can be persecuted for all sorts of things. Right. Anytime, uh, anytime allegiances clash, you know, your opponents or, or, or any opposition could be described as a kind of persecution. You sure. know, Republicans can be persecuted by Democrats and Democrats by Republicans and so on and so forth. So for Christians, am I being persecuted because I'm a Republican or a Democrat? Or am I being persecuted because I root for the Huskers instead of the Hawkeyes? Mm-hmm. I'm, um, I'm, I'm kind of here in exile. <laughs> and, uh, or am I being persecuted and opposed because of my loyalty to Jesus? Right. That, I think, is the number one litmus test. Which loyalty uh, is, is driving people crazy such that they feel like they have to put the pressure on 
uh, or, or to marginalize or discriminate or even attack, yeah. uh, it, you know, which loyalty is it that uh, is causing trouble? Yeah, and what's the intensity of the pressure? Yeah, right? like yeah. so the difference between, and again, like when you're when you're in high school. I remember this is a short story, and I'm sure our teenagers here at the church have heard it way too many times, but. Um, I had an anti-abortion shirt in high school, mm-hmm. okay? And so, you know, 1993, 1994, I mean, you know, I just thought I could wear it and most people would be like, yeah, we we agree it's a bad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never took more, like, anger, <laughs> probably. Like, I'm a pastor, so that's yeah. saying something. Yeah. But then wearing this shirt down the hallway at my high school. Interesting. Like, lots of girls stopping me, like, just lecturing me on why I was uninformed and how closed-minded I was. This is 1993 or 1994. Wow. So, um, so that, you know, when, when you take a certain amount of pressure for views that you have that are based on mm-hmm. you know, Christian values, that I still wouldn't call that persecution. Mm-hmm. I would call that uncomfortability. Sure, sure. Um, but it wasn't like... They weren't kicking me out of school or threatening yeah. me. They weren't telling me what I could wear or couldn't wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't sending a note home with my, pa- you know, to my parents. Yeah. They weren't putting me in jail. Mm-hmm. They weren't, you know. Yeah. I my wages have never been garnished at a job that I worked for being a Christian. Like yeah. So, the the amount of pressure we really have to start with the saying like, well, I mean, so if we look at First Peter, yeah, for an example, Peter's writing to a group of people who were actually dispersed. Yeah. Because of their faith. Yeah. Like legitimately, if you believe in Christ, if you say, you know, uh, Christ is Lord, like not Caesar's Lord, but Christ is mm-hmm. Lord, you get displaced. There's yep. so much pressure, so much overt persecution. They had to move. Similar maybe to what it is in China right now. Yeah. Where you have to meet underground because yeah. if you don't, you're going to end up in a prison camp. Exactly. Probably. Exactly. So that's what we're talking about, like, is, is the difference between... Is somebody just irritated with me and make me mm-hmm. trying to make me uncomfortable? Or just disagreeing. Like we right. can we can right. just simply take something that's a disagreement and kind of wear that martyr complex of right. because they don't agree with me or affirm what I affirm, I'm being persecuted when no that was just a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But if you can't handle I, this is maybe maybe overstepping. I feel like if you can't handle if you meet someone, you strike up a conversation and that person said you know, finds out you're a Christian and says you're one of the dumbest people I've ever met. Okay, if you can't handle that, I don't know what makes you think you'd ever be able to stand in front of a firing squad and proclaim Christ as Lord if if your life was on the line. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where I think some of it comes down to is how easily offended yeah. we get yeah. when somebody says, "I don't like what you believe," and we we sort of we take it. Um, to the extreme of, of like being really in, in a ton of distress when yeah. someone says, I don't like what you believe. Yeah, which, which probably reveals, again, our loyalty. Is my loyalty to Christ what is at stake, or is it my loyalty to my reputation, mm. my loyalty to um, uh, my own personal happiness, or, 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 or whatnot? What's being threatened by those words that causes me to react so strongly and so uh, quickly? Um, you know, I think those are questions we should wrestle with when we encounter encounter the kind of you know opposition that we might. Right. And so, so background too. So we're gonna we're gonna take a little bit of a walk through First Peter here because most of it is because he's talking to these people and trying to give hope to people who are dispersed because of their faith. This is going to apply directly to how do we orient ourselves around, you know, 
we get so easily offended, honestly, mm-hmm. because we are so attached to this world that our identity gets wrapped yeah. up in who yeah. I am here. And so if we feel like we're going to lose any level of comfort, especially in America, oh, if man. we're all honest about this, we can walk through this together. Like, you know, half of healing is admitting there's a, <laughs> there's a problem. And, uh-huh. and Peter covers this too in um, you know, chapter 2 when he says, and we, and we quote this all the time, you are a chosen race, royal priesthood, a holy nation, people for his possession. You know, and then goes straight into, uh, in verse 11, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Mm. So their immediate identification is like, hey, you should expect to not feel like people love you here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not your home. You don't actually fit in. Right. And, and when that's pointed out, if you're offended when others point out the fact that you don't belong here, then maybe we're trying too hard to find our hope and our identity in this world rather than the one to come. Right. Which we've talked about on a previous episode. Yeah, it'd be like if you're a guy and you walk into a girl's restroom and they're like, hey, you don't belong in here. Well, I mean, maybe that's not a great... <laughs> that analogy time. doesn't have as much cachet as it used to, 20 years ago, that would have been a great analogy. Now it just breaks <laughs> all the way down. Anyway... <laughs> but no, I, I, it's a it's a valid point. There there should be something uncomfortable, something foreign, uh, I mean, like a modern day refugee or immigrant, right. someone who's right. living in a country that they weren't born in, mm-hmm. uh, operating in a culture they're unfamiliar with, speaking a language they don't really know. If you 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 can never quite escape the fact that you're not from here, mm. or that you know this is not your home. That should Christians should experience some of that as we live out our days in this broken world uh, in between the cross and the new creation. Um, And and therefore, because we're not from here, as Jesus said, you know, uh, if if they've treated me this way, they're going to treat you this way too. And so we should expect to be treated as as exiles. Right. And so so then as exiles, the next sort of... uh, section that we would get to then how 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 could we or how can we how should we be actually ready for real persecution yeah. if and when it comes mm-hmm. this is where we look it is very possible nobody nobody can predict what america is going to be like in the mm-hmm. next, next 10 to 20 years nobody nobody knows but we can see these shades of religious freedoms sort of ebbing yep. away There's, especially there is a slow erosion Christian. absolutely yeah. So at some point, I mean, it might not be our generation. You know, we're, we're both in our 40s. It might not be our generation. It might very well be our kids' mm-hmm. generation mm-hmm. that experiences yeah. like this. Yeah. But, so don't we want to be more robust as a people? Shouldn't we, instead of trying to avoid persecution, shouldn't we be sort of always prepared to be the one in the room that everybody looks at and says, we don't want you here? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's stark to put it that way. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I do think that's... Uh, where it comes down to, which is different than being the one in the room who's always looking for a fight. Yes. Uh, I mean, sometimes that's our definition of persecution. Right. And, and um, you know, Peter even talks about that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That sometimes when we suffer, it's unjust. Right. Um, but sometimes <laughs> when we suffer, it's because we're doing something stupid and we're being a jerk and we're being right. sinful. And he talk, you know, where is that in chapter... Oh, it's uh, chapter, chapter 2, I think, yeah, verse, verse uh, 20. 20, right? yes. Yeah. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure it? <laughs> good job, bud. Uh, but if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure it, 
this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. And so, uh, yeah, we should be the one expecting it, but not necessarily courting it or, or, or looking for it and, yeah. and so on. And so maybe the first, the first thing that we need to be able to do, that we should do, is what Peter says earlier in that chapter, um, is verse 12, chapter 2, verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that mm-hmm. when they speak against you as evildoers, the assumption is at some point, even the, yeah. the people around you are going to call you an evildoer because you won't join them, yeah. that they'll your conduct will be so honorable that they may see your good deeds and glorify God like on the day of visitation. Yeah. Like when it comes to it, like when the gospel is really presented that, that you will ultimately stand before these people who decry your beliefs, mm-hmm. but they can't say anything about how you've yeah. gone about that. Right? Yeah. It doesn't mean that they can't throw stones and be like, I hate what you believe. Yeah. But by all means, we should we should be people who are willing to be hated for what we believe, but not hated for how we engage with people. Yes, yeah, and that is such a critical distinction that in a day of outrage and and kind of tribalism that is so easily lost, like we we um, and we're we're rightly nervous in some ways right. about you know some of these eroding liberties <clears throat> or or uh, some of the different cultural movements that that kind of war against you know as he describes in 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 211 the the you know the passions of the flesh that mm. wage war against your soul i mean that's happening in this world and we can get really upset and frustrated and yet we can also become super polemical about it yeah. and and um uh yeah yeah keeping keeping our conduct honorable mm-hmm. again it doesn't mean it doesn't even mean that you can't challenge somebody. Get into Absolutely. a conversation where you're challenging their beliefs. It it doesn't mean that you can't even um, enter into a, a discourse that has some rhetoric in it, in which like you know, scripture uses some sharp language yeah. and points. Yeah. But it's never never for the goal of tearing the person yeah. down. It's for tearing the idea yeah. down. Yeah. And what I see a lot of with Christians is not the goal is to tear the person yes. down. I mean, and even if you're talking about you know, sinful things, right? If you get into a discussion with someone like um, who may be in what scripture calls out as overt sin, who's living in a pattern of sexual Mm -hmm. sin, who's living in a pattern of uh, debauchery of some kind, your goal should still never be, I want to destroy this person. The goal should be, I want to destroy every stronghold that is keeping them from having their eyes open to the gospel as much as it's dependent on me, Mm -hmm. leaving it to the Holy Spirit. But be honorable, like be, yeah. be winsome and kind. It doesn't mean you roll over and just let people walk Absolutely. all Absolutely. But the other extreme is what we do, which is we just destroy the person. Yeah, and we, we return them. insult yeah. for insult, and, and um, we resort to the tactics of this world trying to win the argument, and, and we think that destroying the person is the same thing as winning the argument. Right. And, right. and it's just not. And Christ has given us such an amazing example of, okay, so what does that actually look like right. then? You keep reading in chapter right. 2, um, one, verse 21, the fact that we've been called to this kind of suffering uh, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example. Hmm. But, but what happened uh, when he suffered? I mean, verse 22, it was unjust. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Almost every time I am opposed... I've done something to contribute to that, right? <laughs> you know, I've never right. completely blameless. Um, yeah. Christ was completely blameless when he. So, how did he respond when he was reviled? He didn't like slam him and do a mic drop, and right. you know, he didn't <laughs> revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten. 
you know, just wait till my dad yeah. shows, sees that. <laughs> You're you know. going to get what's coming to you. <laughs> That's right, you know. Uh, but instead, he continued entrusting himself to him who judges mm. justly. He, mm-hmm. he recognized that even though this is an unjust situation, I'm being treated unjustly, falsely accused of blasphemy, being convicted of a crime he didn't commit. I mean, it's just a, a complete miscarriage of justice, the yep. trial of Jesus. Yep. And yet he recognized that above this... Uh, this mockery of justice, there is a just judge who sits over the whole thing mm-hmm. and who is both powerful enough, good enough, and righteous enough to make everything right mm-hmm. in his time. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to get my vindication mm-hmm. now because the just judge will bring it at the proper time. And so I can entrust myself to him yeah. while. Uh, submitting to this unjust treatment, yeah. and of course, ultimately, that was that was the plan all along. You know, right. he uh, he himself bore our sins in his body. Had right. he not entrusted himself to the just judge, we wouldn't have salvation. Right. And and so, what does that mean then? When when I'm unwilling to bear persecution, mm. what mm. plan of God in His saving work for others am I, uh, if it were possible, shortcutting mm. because? Right the heat is too much right it's a you know it's a big question to wrestle with it's tied into hope you know as i hear you talking about that i keep thinking you know jesus entrusted himself because he he really trusted the father like if there's any other way yeah like that'd be great but not my will yours be done Mm -hmm. and knowing Mm -hmm. knowing that that was what was necessary and peter it like jesus was taken care of by the father right he was able to entrust him trust himself to the father peter uh, mentions this he's, verse 12 in chapter 3 for the eyes of the lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer mm. we get offended because people won't listen to us people won't pay attention <laughs> yeah. to us we feel like we're screaming into the wilderness and mm-hmm. everybody's against us but look our hope is never in like whether or not people who don't know god will listen to us primarily mm. our our our, our um, orientation is that we trust that even though may, no one else may look at us and be like hey that person's awesome like <laughs> god sees us yeah. he sees the works of the righteous and then peter transitions that into kind of the, the last point here not, not only should we uh, keep our honorable con- our conduct honorable but we do that because we look at the example of christ and lastly we we do all of this because we want to be prepared to talk about the hope yes. that we have in yeah. christ which is what peter says in uh, chapter 3 verse 13 who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake you will be blessed yeah have no fear of them or be troubled but in your hearts honor christ the lord is holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that you that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect right that this wells up into hey if you're persecuted you're blessed yeah I mean, that's from scripture. Yeah. Like, it's not something that we, like, are fighting against because, man, I hope I never get persecuted. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is the opportunity for the gospel to shine. Yeah. Right? That's, this, is, this is like the day that we've been training for yeah. is to stand before people and proclaim Christ as Lord. Yeah. And if our hope is not pointed forward, you know, if our hope is not in, in the kingdom to come, that, that's being kept for us in heaven, that inheritance mm-hmm. in chapter 1, uh, then we are going to be um, distracted. We're going to uh, we're going to fear those. We're going to be troubled. We're going to be doing all of the things mm-hmm. he says not mm-hmm. to do here. Right. Um, and and one good test for me is 
when I'm facing opposition, what does my prayer life look like? Like, am I praying simply for the trouble to end? Lord, mm-hmm. get me through this hardship. Make mm-hmm. it go away. Make them stop. Make them see. Or am I praying for? Uh, am I am I praying for God? Use this to accomplish whatever it is you intend for the right. sake of your gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, I just to confess, I, my prayers are almost always. I default towards the first. Lord, make it stop. <laughs> right. Um, make them see that I'm right. You know. Yeah. Um, but rather. Do I recognize, do I remember, this is a gospel opportunity. Lord, Mm -hmm. prepare me for what you want me to say in this Mm -hmm. moment. Prepare me uh, to to, to live with that honorable conduct we're called to. Uh, Give me a heart that is able to speak the truth with gentleness and respect. Mm -hmm. Um, Is is that what I'm praying for? Uh, And if I'm not thinking about those things, then I'm, I'm probably... I probably have a divided hope. I got one foot in this world yeah. and, and one in the other, whereas Paul calls us to an undivided hope right. um, in, in the world to come. Yeah, and that's, that's really where we land on this is, look, it, it's impossible for us to speak to where everybody is at mentally because there's such a spectrum on both what qualifies as persecution yeah. and where you may be at. But if you're listening today, the, the biggest, the overarching theme that we're, we're trying to get across is maybe pause and ask yourself what's the state of your heart currently like mm-hmm. if you're on social media and your discussions with other people is your goal to reflect the character and nature of christ if so you should probably be looking at how he suffered and and who he entrusted himself to as yeah. he was suffering and then remember the outcome of his suffering was salvation which honestly like as ministers of the gospel what peter actually says like hey, it's better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. Basically, yeah. like, there's no benefit to you for entering into suffering with a hard heart, mm. trying to have your own way, mm-hmm. trying to get your own way out. It, it's better for us to entrust ourselves to God. If persecution comes for us, legitimate persecution, mm-hmm. then the way that we should handle it is not to attack people, not to try to, to hold on to our own, but, yeah. but to willingly enter into that, believing that God has set that up for the sake of the gospel yeah. being, being moved forward. In the same way that, you know, Stephen had one great sermon and then was stoned to death. <laughs> it's one of the saddest stories. You know, if you, from an earthly perspective, it's one of the saddest things. Stephen's like, hey, oh, wow, you can see Jesus. And they're like, and then he's dead. Yeah. You know, but, but that resulted ultimately in, in Paul's conversion. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess the, that, the long and short of it is um, don't look at persecution as something to fight your way out of mm-hmm. or, or, or to avoid yeah but to embrace for the glory of god amen yeah amen cool all right well uh kept it short this time for us that's an accomplishment yeah so uh, we look forward to uh, uh to delivering uh, another fresh podcast next week till then uh, we'll see you